that's where the list ends for me. I'm taking I'm taking Giannis over Kawhi. I'm taking Giannis over Steph Curry. I'm taking Giannis over James Harden. I'm taking Giannis over anyone not named KD or LeBron James, and I don't care what you have to say about it. Hello, hello, and welcome to a championship edition of the Pick and Play Podcast. Well, today, Leo, myself, your pal Gordo, we're going to be breaking down the NFC West, but we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks winning a championship last night. So let's dive the fuck in. Did you that you were yes, I did. So I packed it up and brought it back to the crib. Just a little something, show you how we live. Everybody want it, but it ain't that serious. Let's call you Captain Correct right now. What did you go? 14 and 2 in series picks? 14 and 2, man. The only ones I got wrong were the Lakers and Mavs first round picks. Everything else nailed it. Didn't nail the exact amount of games for every series, but picked the picked the winner pretty accurately. Yeah, that's fucking dope. We wrapped up. Uh Leo gave you the series winners. I went 42 and 28 picking against the spread. So it was a winner's fucking pod. The champions are us. We get through the playoffs, ripping it apart. 14 and 2. Uh, series bets, 42 and 28. And against the spread bets, what more do you want? If you're not listening to people that can't get it right, what are you doing? So last night, Giannis decides in a game that everyone got tight. Everyone got tight. It was a championship game. You could feel it in the air. Everyone got tight. And then Giannis went to the woodshed, grabbed a sledgehammer, and started beating dudes down. Give us your takeaway on how you feel about Giannis now. Man, can I talk my shit again? That's talk that's what I, I... Man, this man Giannis Antetokounmpo, out of the 15, 14 or 15 players that played last night on both sides of the ball, Giannis looked like the best player, hands down, far and away. It can't be debated. If you want to debate it, debate by yourself, because at this point, I have nothing left to say. This man closed out the finals with 50, 14, 5 blocks, and one of the most dominating closeout games we've ever seen. And that, that might be recency bias, but I don't care. This is one of the most dominant closeout games I've ever seen in my 20, I'll call it 23, 24 years of watching basketball. It was insane. He was dominating on both ends. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, they did enough. <laughs> they did enough to get yeah, it done and enough. to get them to the to the finish line. Big ups to Drew Holiday, man. Before the season even started, I said that I thought that he could be the the key for the Bucks. Just replacing Eric Bledsoe with Drew Holiday. Obviously, now today, July twenty first, everybody knows what big of a difference that could make. Uh, I, I think people are are trying to pretend that they knew this the whole time. I don't think that that's accurate. Uh, but I did. I did know this the whole time that Drew Holiday was going to be enough to kind of kind of give them that push that they needed. And I know that they're KD toe away, but look, blame KD. Don't don't blame the Bucks. I, what do you want me to do about that, you know? KD's the one with the big-ass foot. He was the one that didn't have the awareness to get his feet behind the line. Giannis is now the champion, the finals MVP. And Giannis is now a top three player in the NBA at this point in my book, and I'm, I'm not really trying to debate that either. If you got Braun ahead of him, I'm fine with that. If you've got KD ahead of him, I'm fine with that. Even though he beat KD, KD did outplay him in the individual matchup, so I, I give you KD. That's where the list ends. 
that's where the list ends for me. I'm taking I'm taking Giannis over Kawhi. I'm taking Giannis over Steph Curry. I'm taking Giannis over James Harden. I'm taking Giannis over anyone not named KD or LeBron James, and I don't care what you have to say about it. Hyperextended knee, doesn't miss any time, comes back and lays the absolute hammer on a team that, let's be honest, after they went up 2 nothing, the entire rhetoric from everyone that exists was, Chris Paul's probably going to get his ring. Now, flipping to Chris Paul here, was he a top three player in this series? No. No, he was not. I would take... I would take Giannis over him, definitely. I would take his teammate Devin Booker over him. Uh, you could make the argument for Aiton being over him, although the last couple Aiton games kind of, eh, you no, know what I mean? Apart. Yep. Yeah, he fell apart down the stretch there. Uh, I'd probably take Middleton over him, and yep. given what Drew was giving me on defense, give me Drew too. I'm not yep. even trying to slander Chris Paul in all honesty. I'm a Chris Paul fan. You got to give him his career flowers. But he's not getting any flowers on this episode of the Pick and Play show. Man didn't get it done. Giannis did. The finals MVP. I, I don't even really want to talk about Chris Paul. I want to keep talking about Giannis. This man gave us a performance that we haven't seen since Shaq. Bro, when the people that they're comparing you to on the TV are Shaq, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, LeBron yeah. James, Michael, Michael Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. Like, when those are the names that you're being mentioned amongst, then I, I feel like the conversation's over. Giannis is in that tier, and, and there's not much that can be said about that to, to refute that. Five-time All-NBA player, two-time back-to-back MVP, defensive player of the year, most improved player, finals champion, now world champion, Giannis is undoubtedly in the pantheon of great players of all time. And it, it, there's, there is nothing statistically you could pull up to debate against. You can stare at a wall and yell at it, but it's over. If you had the take, like Kendrick Perkins did, that you thought Batman, you thought Batman was Chris Middleton? Stupidest shit I ever fucking heard in my life. No disrespect to Kendrick Perkins, but that's the dumbest shit I ever heard in my whole life. How you could watch the Bucks for the entire season, not just the last three minutes of these playoff games, how you could watch the Bucks for the entire season and try to look me in my eye and tell me Chris Middleton is Batman is outrageous. That's Did outrageous, you, bro. You know, I figured it out. They don't know who Batman is. Must have never watched Batman. You just they must don't have just know skipped who Batman that one is. completely. Yeah, you just don't know who Batman is. I totally get it. Like you think you know Batman, but you've heard about Batman. You've never watched a movie. You've never seen a cartoon. Like you've seen his face around, and you're like, oh yeah, he's just like a masked guy. You're like that yeah, because that's the only explanation. This is so far over fifty in a closeout game, fifty fourteen and five blocks. He went seventeen of nineteen from the line because it fucking mattered. He hammered the piss out of the fucking Suns. It was an absolute incredible show. 40 points back-to-back. You know, now there have been only two players that have scored 20 points in a quarter in the finals since Michael Jordan. Two players, or I should say it's happened two times because the only player is Giannis. The only player is Giannis. It's happened twice, though. And they're both him. So you can say what you want about not being able to score. Um, You can say what you want about him not shooting the ball from three-point well, which he doesn't do, or shooting the ball for long twos well. 
what she doesn't do. What you're blindly ignoring is his ability to get to the rim and work around the rim is unparalleled. I called out that Giannis plays it like a free safety. You watch him ball hawk. He's got all those inst- he's got all those instincts. He ball hawks the shit out of you. He will chase you down and block it. Everyone's aware of where he is at all times. The best players on the floor are terrified. He can cover space faster than anybody else on the court. His wingspan is ginormous. The Greek freak. And on on top of just about everything that he does on the court, he's a better person. The stories about Giannis that have come out this week, the tales of humility, uh, the tales of his struggle as a, as a kid growing up, moving here, I'll be honest, this is what the American dream is. This is what it's supposed to present and like be to people. You come over here, you get a chance to put your name in lights, be, be all you can be, and be an absolute star. Giannis is the face of the NBA today. And, and that's what's great about America. So I've got two things that I need to make sure that we get in. First... I think we owe Coach Bud an apology because we were on his ass. We've been on his ass for a couple years now. This isn't even the first season that we've been on his ass. Yeah. Uh, but ever since Giannis got hurt in that net series, I saw a lot of changes. He, yes. and, and, yep. and maybe he was forced to adjust because, you know, Giannis gets hurt. you got to start cooking other things in the kitchen. You can't just have your master chef out there anymore. Uh, so, you know, I, I give him credit. He's getting Giannis the ball in different spots than we're used to seeing. It wasn't all ISO Giannis at the top of the key. Kind of negate the wall a little bit. Give credit to uh, Drew Holiday, which helped them in in staving off the wall. You know, and the more passers you have, the the less strategy or the less that strategy is going to be effective. Uh, Coach Buddy, he did his thing. He did his thing on defense. Yep. He, he pressed the right buttons on defense. He pushed the right buttons on offense. And uh, he probably earned an extension here of his contract. I don't know He's how champion. Bucks- yeah, I don't know how Bucks fans are going to feel about the fact that Giannis is going to get him at least a three- or four-year contract extension. Uh, but credit needs to be given when it's due. Credit to Coach Bud. He's a champion. Uh, I, I got to give him his flowers. You win a championship, you get whatever you want, and everyone's happy with that. Unless you're in Philadelphia, everywhere that you get a champion, I'm talking about the Eagles, Everywhere else when you win a championship, you pretty much go in everyone's heart forever. Milwaukee set out with extreme odds seven, eight years ago to win a championship. And now they've done it. And they have Giannis in his prime. This is about as well as you can ask. As long as Giannis is happy with Bud, they're both going to stay. I think that's they're tied together forever. They have a championship. We'll see what's next for them. Um, Giannis, it's whatever Giannis wants. I mean, the guy just put up 50 in a game that was an elimination game, and only four other teammates of his scored. The Bucs only had five players total that put a point on the board. And Giannis, they won. They won. They won by seven. All seven points, by the way, all in the fourth. Tied going into the fourth, pull away by seven, game over. Were you able to see any of the postgame stuff? Oh, yeah. I was up to like 2 a.m. watching shit. Right. So do you see Giannis in his post-game interview start talking about how uh, how he could have taken the easy way out and yes. how other superstars go to other teams to try and win their ring, but he didn't want to do that. He wanted to win his ring in Milwaukee, and he did it. That felt good to watch. That felt oh, real yeah. good to watch. I felt oh, happy yeah. for him knowing that he didn't take the... 
uh, I don't know how to word He didn't take the easy way out. That's how I word that. He took the hard route, and it worked. I think that you can look at it from easy or convenient, you know? Um, Are you practicing any less? Probably not. There's probably a little more difficulty in uprooting yourself and moving to another city. So there's some things in there where it's not necessarily, like, easy. I think it's the convenient way out. I think it's the, like, uh, I'll just have someone else do the work way out. You know, I guess you could say that is that is easy. But, you know, for me, there's only like two or three players in the NBA, and one of them is about to leave their team, that can say they haven't gone anywhere. Steph Curry, Clay, I'm going to count them together, Giannis, and Dame Lillard. And Dame's on the block. Dame's going to move. There's going to be two players. Steph Curry, really, in the superstar tier, and Giannis. Everyone else has pretty much moved multiple times. Or they're just not winners. Like, they're just not a team that even gets to this point in the championship. Like, uh, to this far in the playoffs. So, uh, Maybe I'm old school, you know, and that's just the way I like seeing the championship being played out. But I love watching the homegrown team elevate and, and eventually win the championship. Now, I know that they traded for Middleton a couple years ago, but Middleton wasn't really anybody when they traded for him. Uh, and they traded for Drew Holiday this offseason, which, although was a big move, I don't think that the general NBA fan looked at that move like, oh, Milwaukee, <laughs> Milwaukee, you got to watch out for them with Drew Holiday. You know, so this is really a homegrown type of championship. The, the, the core of this team has been intact for a couple years. They they licked their wounds to the Heat, to the Raptors. You know, they've had a couple disappointing losses over the years, but they overcame and they won a championship. And that's fucking awesome. It's been fucking awesome to watch this run. Uh, Aside from the fact that I called it. Ratings are up because people want to see new, new, and new. This was an incredibly new finals for both of these teams. It was beautiful. It was incredible basketball. We got grit, grind, heart, soul, champions, losers, storylines. The only last thing I've got for this, and it's a little spicy. Every once in a while I put a little extra spice on it. I think this loss defines Chris Paul perfectly. And, and here's my thing with Chris Paul. The way he's always controlled a game is beautiful. And I really haven't watched him from his prime, so I won't, I'll plead a little ignorant. But the way he controls a game is what people love. It's tempo. He's good at putting those shots up. But he really isn't a scorer. That's not something he does. He, can't, he can, at times, put points on the board for you. But Chris Paul's pretty good at just being like 24 to 26 points. I mean, 20 to 26 points is where he ends up. And in the last 15 years in the NBA, your superstar needs to be a 30, 28 to 36 point a night player. They just have to be. Look at Giannis down the stretch here. 40, 40, over 40, was it 40, 47, 32, 50. That's what you need in order to put a game away and win. Chris Paul has not been able to do that in a long time. And it's wonderful what he does on a court because he is short. He is relatable in that way. And, you know, short for NBA standards. And he is he able to manipulate a game to get the result, basically working with his smarts the entire time trying to beat you. Never on raw athleticism. 
And there's a lot of relatability there in the underdog story. But there's a lot of truth to the fact that he was never a dominant player. And it having a career where he gets close, gets close, and can't close, at some point, that's exactly who you are. And I think that's I think this is exactly how his career goes. You know, this smart. You have a good point there. Definitely have a good point there. I I would hesitate to say that he's never been a dominant player. And for a while there, he was easily the best point guard in the NBA, giving you 20 and 10 every night before 20 and 10 every night was a common thing. But at this point in his career, I, I don't. I don't think that he can be the... If he's your top two option on the team, then I don't think you're necessarily a championship team. Yes, they made the championship this year. I would argue if Anthony Davis is healthy the entire postseason, they're not even playing in this round. I would argue that if Jamal Murray was healthy in the second round, they're also not playing in this round. So, And then I would argue if Kawhi Leonard was healthy, they're also not playing in this round. So, (laughs) uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Chris Paul's day, he's had his day. Uh, It would have been a feel-good story if he was able to cap off his storybook career with a championship, uh, but that's not reality. He lost to a better player. Giannis is going to end up ranked higher on the all-time list. He's higher right now on today's list, uh, whatever list you want. The only list Giannis won't be higher than Chris Paul on is the assist list. That's about it. All right, any parting thoughts to this NBA season before we close it down and turn over? Pretty much we're going to be running nothing but football for a while. Shout out to Giannis Antetokounmpo. He put money in my pocket. He made me look like a genius. I, I, Giannis, I appreciate you. I appreciate you because you fed me for like the next month just betting on your <laughs> games. So uh, <laughs> I don't have to pay for shit for the next couple of weeks. Giannis got my back. That's fucking, that's, that's what's up. That's what's the best part about gambling is when you follow a player that's a great story and you run it dry, season ends, you finish on top, you fight like you're part of the bandwagon as well, you know, because you had money on them. It's a great feeling. Oh, I'm on the around. bandwagon. I, I oh, damn yeah. near got a Bucks jersey on right now. <laughs> All right, uh, let's transition here. Let's make a good talk of potentially I don't I don't know how much debate you could have there's probably one of the division you could talk about but I think this is the deepest strongest division in the NFL the NFC West and to start it off as is tradition we'll go with the highest odds to win the division at plus 600 who do you think it is plus 600 to win the division the Cardinals. That's, yeah, the easy Cardinals. A um, couple notes about the Cardinals from my perspective here. Uh, they have, it's funny with uh, Kyler Murray. I think it's kind of funny. They have this young star. Um, not the best quarterback in the division. I don't think that's a debate. They don't, I, I think they've got the fourth best coach in that division. They don't really have – the players they've signed on defense are definitely past their prime that they're trying to boost this team up with. I really see this as the bottom-dwelling team again. How do you feel? Arizona's going to be one of those teams, and I've mentioned this in a couple of our previews the last couple weeks. This is a team I'm mostly interested in for fantasy purposes. I'm not really trying to put my money on any over-unders. Definitely not putting money on them to win the division. 
they're going to be an exciting team that's going to be on red zone on your TV pretty often, but like I don't think they're actually going to be a Super Bowl contender. I want some Kyler Murray on my fantasy team. I want some DeAndre Hopkins on my fantasy team. Shit, sleeper, sleeper alert. I really want some Chase Edmonds on my fantasy team this year. I think now that he's got the number one back duty, uh, he could win some people some money for sure. Uh, But when we're talking about real-life ball, can they make the playoffs? Can they make the championship? Uh, Maybe they might be able to sneak into a wild card if things broke perfectly for them, but... I'm not a big Kingsbury guy, just like you aren't. I think that the offense kind of looks like crap sometimes, and they have too much talent to look like crap on offense. So I guess we're going to wait and see. Does Kingsbury, is Kingsbury on the hot seat? If, if they're trash this year, is he out of there? Oh, yeah. I, I don't think it's close. I think, I think not that he could be fired in the middle of the year, but if they, if they start out poorly and they end up, kind of behind they finished eight and eight last year let's say they start out like two and six you start out two and six i think you're gonna i think you're gonna be in some you you could be in some like real hot water and this is how they start just to just to put it in perspective on on how they could start they play you all week one they play the titans in tennessee week one they play minnesota at home week two they go to jacksonville they go to the rams they go. Then they have San Francisco at home, Cleveland, Houston, Green Bay. That is a week one through eight of fucking horrors. That is, you got two games you expect to win, Jacksonville and Houston, and you are going to be in a dogfight every single other one of those. And what we haven't talked about is they still will play Seattle two times, the Rams, and San Francisco again on the way out. So that is a hellacious week eight. And and Cliff Kingsbury goes two and six, and they're going against San Francisco in week nine. I don't know. I don't know if they make a change during the year. They let him ride it out. Uh, I just think that he's definitely on the hot seat. How hot it is, I think it's a little to be determined. And it could get hotter yep. as it goes. Remind me of your Kyler Murray stance. Uh, I know that you don't like short quarterbacks, but I don't really remember exactly where you stand on him. I do remember last year you talking about him barely being able to see over the offensive he can't line. See. <laughs> Have you changed your stance at all on Kyler Murray? How do we feel about this year's version? Uh, I think an extra year will help him. One of the problems he has, it's a problem Drew Brees had, and it's not something that can't be fixed. If your offensive line is really good, your quarterback can still find the right throwing lanes and get that ball through, and it's not a problem. It's timing, it's rhythm, you block, it's great. But there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of synchronizing that has to take place to make up for that. There just is. And so you, you kind of add his mobility, which helps them out. Uh, they add Rodney Houston, who will help the front of their line. Uh, I, which will keep Kyler Murray more in the pocket and be able to like survey the field better. Uh, I'm not big on Kyler Murray. I think he's one of those players that will wow you. You know, uh, him and Dak Prescott are like very interchangeable for me. Like in terms of their not not necessarily their skill set, but their if you took everything that they are and said what does that equal, whatever value if you put like a number to it, I feel like they give you the same offensive value where I think Dak's a better thrower. 
uh, and does better in the pocket and run, uh, kind of checking down his reads. I really like Dak as a quarterback. Um, I think Tyler Murray adds more athleticism and gets there. So it's not that I am totally against Kyler Murray. I think you have to have a really smart coach to help to help like lessen those uh, those shortcomings he has. So you need someone, and they did that right. They bring in Rodney Hudson and, and to, to Houston to um, uh, secure that uh, the center position for them who he's been able to do that for a long time and does give them uh, a lot of protection. I think you just need a really good coach to – Rodney Hudson, I was getting it right um, – really good coach to recognize that and adjust to it. We'll see. My big take is he needs a lot of help in order to get himself in the environment to succeed. Uh, and that means he, his top side talent is as far as you can kind of support him to. So uh, I just don't think that Cliff Kingsbury has it. So I think it's going to be a lackluster performance. Quick head-to-head, Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray, which one do you want for just this season and why? Uh, it's <laughs> I'll take the MVP, who's better at everything Kyler does. I mean, he's just... He, he doesn't turn the ball over as much. He's faster. He's more athletic. He reads the field better. He's never had the weapons that Kyler Murray had even just last year. Um, and and I, I just, I, you know, from a accuracy-wise, I'll take Lamar. Uh, from a big arm, I'll take Lamar. From everything Lamar brings, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't really think that's like a, like Josh Allen, I think is a better, is like a closer person than I do think Kyler Murray is. Mm. I got plenty of stuff to say about Josh Allen, but we'll save that till we get to the AFC East. Yeah, I I think Josh Allen, I mean, I want to, we'll save it, but everyone knows I don't fucking like that guy. Um, yeah, so for me, it's just... I only makes, ask about the, yeah. the Kyler Lamar thing because I feel like they played similar styles. You know, the production might not be the same, but when I watch both of them play football, it... it they give me a similar feeling. So that's why I asked, like, is Kyler capable of, has he reached his ceiling? Like, I, at this point, I think Lamar Lamar could get better if his surrounding cast gets better. But I don't see Lamar, the football player, you know, rising astronomically higher than where he is right now. I do feel like Kyler has a little room to go up, though. That's why I asked that question. I, I agree with that. For the most part, I agree with that. I think, like I said, I think Kyler Murray can go up, and I think what's left of him to go up is entirely on the coaching staff. And I don't think Cliff Kingsbury can get that done. I don't think that bridge can be gap, that gap can be bridged with Cliff Kingsbury. So when I look at it, I go, I like that. I like that you're self-aware and you started. You tried to add some offensive line to help him out, but you 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 know. You also don't have, it's kind of funny, but I don't really think the Cardinals have a ton of weapons. Once you get past DeAndre Hopkins, your tight ends are Max Williams and Daryl Daniels and then four other random people. Chase Edmonds and James Conner, your running back. And I don't have a problem with Edmonds, but he doesn't move the needle for me. Uh, James Conner does not move the needle for me. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, obviously huge player. A.J. Green has not played in like six years sit like six years and then you have christian kirk and andy isabella and some other players that uh maybe could step up into that void uh, into those spots but they drafted a rookie who i think might be pretty good rondell moore again we do this every time with rookies he might not be that good this year but i do like him 
Yeah, and and that's and that's like what you're looking at. So none of those tight ends are going to do anything for you. They're just not. Your running backs might be able to get you somewhat production, like run of the mill production. DeAndre Hopkins, a plus wide receiver. AJ Green could be a complete non-factor in play in like three games. And then, so what is really around Kyler Murray? What like what is around Kyler? Yeah, Larry Murray? Fitzgerald retire. Yeah, he retired. Yeah. Damn, I missed that. So, you know, I, I don't know. When I look at this team, man, I go, I know people are excited about it, but I'm not excited about an offense where I go, after DeAndre Hopkins, you really don't have much of anything. And then when I look at your defensive side, J.J. Watt, great player, uh, still plus production, but it's, you know, he's not J.J. Watt of old. You've, Xavier Collins is a, is a fine linebacker. Uh, you have Isaiah Simmons, who I'm not huge on. He does, he does, I just, I just, I guess he's just one of those guys where I'm like, it's just a guy to me. Chandler Jones, uh, one of the least respected pass rushers we've had in long side. Uh, Malcolm Butler is there now as the right cornerback. Hey, my boy. Here's the thing. Buda Baker, I love Buda Baker. Actually, for years now, I've been talking about if you play in a league that you have to draft safeties as a fantasy player, Buda Baker is insanely good because he plays up in the box. He basically does what uh, Jamal Adams does, plays up in the box. Uh, he is not afraid to put his helmet in there and make hits. He's not a fantastic covered safety, though. So I don't. I see this team that has a couple things they're doing well, they're just not putting the pieces together and they're really not drafting all stars around Kyler Murray. So I think this team's got some room to grow. I think this is, I think San Francisco could be the basement dweller, honestly. Um, I, I really do. And besides them, when I look at this roster for the Cardinals, I don't think the coach fucking has it. And I don't think they have the talent to overcome any of that. Yeah, it's pretty much the opposite of the rest of the division, right? Like, this division yep. has some pretty solid coaching, some pretty pretty solid rosters, and Arizona's just kind of the odd man out in that group because I don't like their roster that much. I also don't like their coach that much. I love them for fantasy. I hate them with yep. my wallet. I guess that's a good yep. way to <laughs> to explain that. Flip how you're betting on them. Your, your wallet will love you. <laughs> Oh, I like Take that. Start other, betting yeah, against yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bet against them. Because then if you watch the game and you, it's an exciting game, you see it on League Pass, but it's going to pop up and it's going to be like, oh, Kyler Murray scores. And you're like, okay, what's the score? And it's like 21-7. You're like, right, okay. They're getting they're getting beat up. Kyler Murray's going to have that game. That's the other thing. Kyler Murray got beat up last year. So if that line isn't significantly improved, they're going to get beat up again. Next team in that division, Seattle Seahawks, plus 275. Uh, do me a favor. Rank these three coaches. Sean McVay, Shanahan, Pete Carroll. Mm. Are we talking all time or are we just talking this season? Because I feel like i got to uh, yeah, put respect on Pete Carroll. Okay, just this yeah, season? this season. What's coming up? Yeah. All right, this season only. Uh, give me McVay, Shanahan, and Carroll in that order. Okay. So... Seahawks plus 275 for the division. I don't know if there's a team that consistently shows up looking like almost exactly the same year over year. Right, the roster will be different. They still look the same. It doesn't make sense. They look the fucking same. Uh, Big news for them. They're running backs. Chris Carson, Rashawn Penny. This is just a backfield and uh, just a backfield that's just not great. Um, It's okay. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I love me some Chris Carson. 
I personally he, love me some Chris Carson. Uh, I, I'm a person who drafts Chris Carson a lot. Here's some stats from him last year. Uh, he was injured, played 12 games. He ran for 681 yards. I also had Chris Carson on my fantasy teams last year and felt that pain. So I'm going to go ahead yeah. and shut up now. But I love yeah. Chris Carson. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's Yeah, it's just like, it's like, okay, so Russell Wilson comes in. You end up with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. You obviously have two great wide receivers. You're tight ends. You add Gerald Everett. You have Will Disley. Some options there. Your offensive line kind of remains the same. Nothing impressive here. Your defense stays kind of a really weak point of your team. You get Bob. You have Bobby Wagner. You have some hitters. That's 100% true. You have some fucking hitters. Uh, you have people like Carlos Dunlap who aren't afraid to get their helmet in there. Bobby Wagner, Jamal Adams. They have like, this is a team with tremendous high-end talent at certain positions. And I think really void of talent everywhere else. I don't think that they have, there's no depth in this team. Like behind Jamal Adams is nothing. Their defensive line is not going to be able to generate pressures. Their offensive line is mediocre. You have Wilson, Metcalf, and Metcalf, uh, Lockett, and then Jamal Adams, who obviously a pro bowler, and Bobby Wagner. And then the falloff is dramatic. So I don't really know what I take. I think this is quietly a team that's not doing enough around Russell. They have a new offensive coordinator, right? Uh, I don't know who this guy is. Shane Waldron? Hired by the same people who hired the last people. I'm saying he's. this is his first year, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck to think about that. Maybe they'll finally look different. Maybe they'll finally... All right, hold on. Let me change thoughts here. I just had a random thought in my head. Last season going into the year, our thoughts on the Seahawks were let Russ cook. You know, that was the fucking yep. phrase of the offseason. Let Russ cook. Let him slang that bitch 40 times a game. That's what we want. We want Russell Wilson throwing like he's Mahomes. At a certain point last year, we got that. We got the let Russ cook, and we got to see what it looked like. And for a while, it looked great, and then it cratered down to earth. Uh, And so what do you think? Should they be built around the run? Should they let Russ cook? I know in a perfect situation, you would have a nice balance of the run in the pass, but which way should they lean? Teams don't normally go 50-50, so where are you at with that? I I think that they there was a lot of exciting things when they let Russ cook last year. Um, this was also the highest amount of interceptions he's had since 2016, and I think that was part of it. I don't think they have a defense that's really conducive to letting you just cook all day long. Um, you, you actually took a uh, oh wait sorry I read that <laughs> I got it I got it backwards. He had. That, sorry, he had 13 interceptions last year, which is the most he's ever had in his career. So you had a defense that couldn't stop anybody. You let Russ throw the ball a bunch. What that equated to was Russ turning the ball over a lot. And, you know, 13's a lot for him. The year before that, he had five. The year before that, he had seven. 2017, 2016, he has 11. 2020, 13. So he goes into there. He's throwing the ball more than ever. He takes 47 sacks, which is a lot. It's not his career high, but it's second, third. So he took his third most sacks. He threw his most interceptions. What didn't work about it is if your defense can't stop them, which they can't, 
all you're doing is giving your defense less time on the field. So what you eventually start doing is if your offense is able to score the ball quickly or score the ball fast, and now you turn the ball over, but your defense can't get stops, what you just did was took yourself out of the game. And that's what started to happen to them. What ended up happening to the Seahawks, and that's why they sputtered down the stretch and eventually lost, was they became extremely one-dimensional. And then they realized they really couldn't get the running game going. So they were stuck in this way of, if I try to play a fast offensive game, I'm likely to turn the ball over. If I turn the ball over, I'm going to lose this game. My defense is not going to get the stops it needs. It's not going to force turnovers. So they started running into a scenario where the Seahawks were playing faster than they really could keep up with. Their defense now is not getting any breaks. So it's back on the field nonstop. It's also not any good. So your offense is now working against your defense. There's no tempo. There's no time for adjustments. It just becomes a pummeling. Games start to get out of control. Games start to get out of hand. And next thing you know, you're looking up and wondering how you fell apart in this, you know, from, and it happens all the time. How many times do we hear about Russell uh, in the middle of an MVP race, like week one through week seven? And then what happens around like week nine? That's kind of where I was going with this because it seemed like, and by no means am I trying to say Chris Carson is their most important player or anything of the sort. But to me, it felt like once Chris Carson went down and they were no longer able to just run the ball at, at will, that's kind of when things fell apart. So I guess I'm kind of curious, did the NFL figure out Russell Wilson and the, and the Seahawks offense or... Did injuries force them to be one-dimensional, and eventually that just didn't work? Lack of depth forced them to be one-dimensional. The other thing that forced them to be one-dimensional is, you know, we act like there's this plethora of QBs that can just do it all on their own without any help, and that's just the way it is. It's just not true. We We grew up really in a culture of Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, like, like, let's just run through some of the quarterbacks the last 20 years that all competed at least, like, up against themselves. You had legendary quarterbacks like Brett Favre, Kurt Warner. Uh, that bleeds into quarterbacks like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. And then a step below them is quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, Phillip Rivers. Tony Romo was a great quarterback for five to seven years there. You had Eli Manning somehow win two fucking rings because of a phenomenal defense. There, we went through kind of an era where there were always two quarterbacks that you kind of felt could overcome all of these things. But it's really not true. We have about one to two quarterbacks that can overcome failures at, at multiple levels. We saw Patrick Mahomes get beat like a dog despite his absolute best efforts in the Super Bowl. It, you have to have multiple pieces around a quarterback to support them and make them the best they can be. And you... you Russell Wilson needs that help. There is no help. The second they lose Chris Carson, which they always lose Chris Carson, it starts to fall off, and and you start to see that. Week 8, week 9, week 10, Seahawks will always go through a little stretch where they kind of fall off the map. They get saved by beating a couple bad teams, but besides that, every time they play someone good, they get beat. Then they go into a playoffs and lose to a team without a quarterback. So just to, just to kind of highlight what happened last year, week nine was the week that uh, super high-flying Seattle was going to go in and match up with the Buffalo Bills. The Bills beat them 44-34. to 
thanks in part to Russ turning the ball over a bunch. Week 10 comes along, and it's a chance at redemption. Let Russ cook. That doesn't happen either. They lose to the Rams. They score 16 points and lose 23-16. They get a slight reprieve in Week 11 where they squeak out a win against the Philadelphia Eagles, and that, 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 which was, oh, sorry, the Arizona Cardinals, they squeak out a win. Then you go into week 12, where they kind of cap off this from Russ going from an MVP into week nine, into the end of week 12, where he's no longer in the discussion. And, and it's a meager, m- wimpy win of a 23-17 to 17 final over the Eagles, where Russell, sco- Russell throws for 230 uh, yards total, and they've really never recovered offensively since. So it's a team that has all this top-end talent, but the second you start to lose one or two pieces, which everyone starts to lose one or two pieces, you just become a different team and team people start boxing you in. Uh, that Week 13 game was the infamous New York Giants beating Seattle 17-12, to which ruined like everyone's parlay that week. But uh, it, it, you just... Russ can't cook forever. They don't have the pieces. You, he's not a... God quarterback. He's not Peyton Manning. He's not Tom Brady. And that's not a knock. I'm sorry. Like, one's the best fucking ever. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, as good as he is, he has one Super Bowl win. Like, it's tough. You have to have pieces around him. And there aren't there for Russ. There just fucking aren't. So, what what is their ceiling this year before we move on? What, what do you think is the furthest they can go? I personally think that they could make the playoffs and they could get a playoff win. Uh, I don't like them to go to the Super Bowl or even the NFC Championship. No, I don't like them to do that. They play, uh, they're going to be over in the AFC South playing y'all's division. They also go to the NFC North. So, it depends on if Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Plenty of easy plays. wins between those two divisions. They're going to have a lot of easy wins. This is going to be a 12 win team again. It, here's the thing by week by week like six you're gonna have a good idea who this team is they play indianapolis then they play tennessee minnesota san francisco la rams and pittsburgh that's a real good mesh to figure out who you are if you're three and three through that span you're going to be barely hanging on if you're four and two through that span you're probably going to easily be in the playoffs because after that you get some of your cupcakes detroit houston jacksonville so you're going to get a chance to run through these teams uh, later in the year by week four we're going to know who seattle is i think that their ceiling ceiling is 12 wins floor is nine before we move on i saw a stat late last season that said and i wish i had the stat in front of me but i'm not prepared enough right now something to the effect of uh, showing russell wilson stats versus cover two versus uh almost every other defense yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty much saying that like against almost every other defense Russell Wilson is fire but for some reason when there's two safeties back there he just falls apart and I remember that that stuck out in my head just just thinking it's interesting I don't know enough about the X's and O's to really be able to break that down uh, but I do think that that's interesting why, why is he bad when there's two safeties back there uh, they just take away the deep ball uh, two high safeties is or cover two sorry is you're, you're trying to remove the over-the-top play. So if Tyler Lockett and what is DK Metcalf, not that DK Metcalf's a one-trick pony, but what he excels at is getting past you and then manning up on you with the ball. So if you put two people on him because he's the guy that goes deep, 
you need to run something underneath that to kind of create some open looks. If you don't, he's just going to lose that top-end game. So if a defense is playing one type of coverage and the offense can't beat it, it's normally to do with the personnel and the coaching and less to do with the quarterback. So it's not like Russell is like, oh, my God, I have a brain block for this one type of defense. There are quite literally hundreds of variations of defenses that get run. And a lot of teams run the same kind of uh, the same style of defense. And a cover two is something everyone has. It, you know, it, it, it could be more about when they're in a cover two, how are they attacking him up front? Um, it also means that if Russell Wilson's waiting for that big play to develop, it's less likely because they're going to take the top off. So if you know he's not going to beat you in the intermediate and they maybe don't have the players to beat you in the intermediate, uh, you know, there's no running back sneaking out of the backfield that they can hit in the flat. They, they have Tyler Lockett, who does get hurt time to time. And then they really have, you know, they were doing really well. Also, I think one of the hinges they have is their tight ends. Uh, if their tight ends are out there being pass catchers, that gives them that underneath that then makes them move out of too high safety. So uh, as long as they can get a pass catcher that can sit in the coverage uh, from the gaps basically voided out by Lockett and Metcalf, they'll recover. So for me, it's it's not so much about t- uh, the, the, the defense. It's more that you don't have the personnel to then counter it. And that's what we saw as soon as Will Disley and these other players got hurt for the year. He had no one to throw to underneath. There was, and Chris Carson got hurt as well, so they had no one out of the backfield. So they lost okay. their running game. They lost their tight ends. I guess that would be the reason why they selected Dwayne Eskridge, I believe his name is. They selected a receiver, I think, in the third round of the draft this year who was comp to Tyler Lockett. So maybe okay. they're trying to open up that underneath space, like you're saying. Yep. And that, that would make sense. That's what you try to do. You know, it's it's more about a schematic thing. So, all right. I've got a real big parlay for you as Ooh. we move on to the next team. Next team in the division, L.A. Rams. They are plus 190. So I have, I have one bet locked in for the year. That is the Washington football team to win the division at 3-1. to one. I have my second parlay I just locked in. It is a 53-1 to one parlay. But I got it in now. It's it's ridiculous. But if you're looking for something with a little juice, and when I walk through these teams, it's not going to sound overly difficult. It pays out a lot. Okay, here it is. The Buffalo Bills to win their division at minus 150. The Tennessee Tennessee Titans to win their division at plus 110. The Washington football team to win their division... At plus three hundred, also that's like your, it. That's your one little. It's one little risk. One obviously, the Rams to win their division at plus one ninety, and Tampa Bay to win their division at minus two hundred. That actually does not sound that risky. And it's fifty three to one. You're I basically need, taking. I need to open up a little uh, my bookie <sighs> after we're done I, recording this. I I went and walked through it, and I was like, man, I. I love it. I mean, the Washington one can get you, obviously. There's a couple that could jump up, but there's, you know, I thought 53 to 1 for that looks pretty good. And you're not really tying yourself to a team that one injury sinks them. Even with a team like Tampa Bay losing Tom Brady, they have a shitload of talent on that team. The Rams have made the playoffs without a quarterback. So, you know, uh, Matt Stafford <laughs> gets hurt. They, they can do that. Washington is really going to be relying on a defense and, and a lot of young offensive weapons. 
Um, so, you know, I wanted to kind of spit that out as we get to the Rams. The Rams are 190 now. And I'm going to tell you, I think by the time the season starts, the Rams are the favorite and they'll be something like minus 135 because I, I think that this team is the best team in this division. I think it's the best team in the NFC. If, if you ask me right now, I think the Los Angeles Rams are the best team in the NFC. So what are we, your thoughts on him? We just talked about how Chris Carson made the Seahawks a little one-dimensional when he got hurt last year. How are we feeling about Cam Akers ripping up his Achilles yesterday? Or at least it was announced yesterday, and I know yeah. running backs are replaceable. I know that they have Daryl Henderson, who you know should be pretty decent in, in my opinion. Uh, definitely someone you're going to want to target in fantasy now that Akers is out. But how are we feeling about the fact that they spent all offseason pretty much thinking that Akers was going to be their workhorse? Now that man is pulled out of the equation. I don't like the Rams as much if Stafford's going to have to throw that bitch 50 times a game. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm going to tell you this. I don't think it matters who really runs the ball for them. I think Jake Funk, someone they added in the seventh round, could end up being uh, someone that you could you might be able to rely on who knows he's a he's a uh he's a running back out of maryland that doesn't really have a problem catching the ball to the backfield rushing the ball and blocking so very spunky player um i'm not worried like if that's the big injury that they take this year awesome awesome if that's i mean they're they're somewhat deep at wide receiver you have woods cup they actually have deshaun jackson who i wouldn't count on for anything else they have a couple other pieces we'll see who comes through i like higby at tight end i like their offensive line a lot i like their defense a lot although they lose their coordinator i don't know i don't i do not this was one of those things where i was like i do not care no impact, i do man. not care zero i think by the start of the training camp everyone's going to be like like right now San Francisco is is rated higher than them. I cannot figure that out. Wait, Someone the, tell me. The 49ers have better odds to win the division than the Rams? Yes. How is that possible? How is that fucking Whoa. possible? Yeah, that doesn't sound right at all. Uh, with who? Trey fucking Lance and Jimmy fucking Garoppolo? I mean, my God. My God. Now, what Trey Lance would have to come out joke. and immediately look like Prime Vic or something like that for that to happen. I don't know. Yeah, I don't see a world where San Fran ends up winning the, the division. I think this is the Rams yeah. to lose for sure. And, and we'll get on them in a minute, which I have, I'm have. i going to put a straight bet on the, uh, the Rams as well to win their division. But, I mean, this is a team that we talked about how the uh seattle seahawks have a lot of top end talent but not a whole lot underneath it okay that is a little bit how the rams are they do have two or three positions that if they lose them you that whole thing is belly up uh the obvious names jalen ramsey uh and the best defensive player of the last 10 years aaron donald so if they lose one of those two you're right they are in a bit of trouble but they have depth they have good players they have players that are going to be able to that i think can grow a little bit darius williams uh, taylor rap new player uh jordan fuller is a free safety they've got players in their back the back end that i think play really fundamentally sound they do lose their defensive coordinator uh but i think that's on sean mcveigh to bring in another young bright hire and i think he will i think sean mcveigh is the best uh, coach in this division and and if matthew stafford 
If those three players stay healthy, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, and Jalen Ramsey, this team will win the division if those three stay healthy. Give me your NFC West quarterback power rankings, one to four. Uh, Russell Wilson. Mm. It's very close for me because I believe if you would take Kyler Murray and put him on the Rams, they'd be better than when they have with Matthew Stafford. So I agree uh, with that. Give, give me Kyler Murray, then Matthew Stafford, and then Trey Lance slash uh, Playboy Garoppolo. Yeah, uh, that's right where I have them as well. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much, you know, you if you want to take Matt Stafford, this is going to be the first time we see him. You know, this isn't a guy who's taken his team to the playoffs really ever. You know, I, I think he we're was a on the Lions, though. Matthew I Stafford. feel like we got to be fair. Like the Lions, I, it, the Lions. I feel like that's enough said right there. The Lions. Yeah, but who were the Cardinals? You know, like who were the, you know, I, I just think there's a lot of teams that they are nobodies until you kind of make something of them. And, I mean, the Colts were bad for a long time. Not that I don't want to say, oh, Peyton Manning comes around often. But your, your quarterback is supposed to be able to overcome some things. Shout out and to like, Andrew Luck. I hope he's enjoying retirement. Yep. Yeah, you just never make a playoff. You know what I mean? Like, you never even, like, get close to the last, like, seven years. I don't know. Like, sure, sure. I, I think that he's a good quarterback. It's, I mean, I was a big proponent of getting him out of Detroit. But I don't necessarily think that means he's a stud. You know, I just don't. Can he have a great year? Sure. Jared Goff had a great year. Jimmy Garoppolo had a great year. One year. Sure, he can have a great year. I just don't think he's... I don't think he's a world beater. I think the team and Sean McVay are world beaters. I don't think he is. I'm with that. I'm with that. I'd like to see... It's put up or shut up time for Stafford because I feel like for the last... You you remember with Stafford when the talk around him was, this guy is going to be the next great... Brady and, and Manning are going to retire, and it's going to be Stafford's league. You remember that? Yeah. Barely. Yeah, well, now, now's his fucking time. <laughs> now it's time to put up or shut up. You got the roster. You got the coach. You got it all. So now for Matt Stafford, I need to see a deep playoff run if he's who people say he is. Yep. Last team in this division, San Francisco. I don't have a whole lot to add here except I can't figure it out. I just can't figure it out. So – the 49ers are going to go with Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback. Uh, Raheem Mostert's coming off an injury, so we don't really know what's going to happen there. They're going to add rookie Trey Sermon, okay? So they're running. We're talking about the running backs of, uh, you know, the Rams. Well, the running backs of San Francisco are no better. They're going to bring in a rookie, so you're expecting Trey Lance, a rookie, and Trey Sermon to both be studs for you and contributors. Good luck. Your wide receiver is a bunch of, like, Okay, um, you have two wide receivers coming off of injury. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is questionable. It's just a groin. It's probably just soft tissue. You have uh, Jalen Hurd coming off an ACL tear. Debo Samuel's your number one. I, you know, I just don't. <laughs> George Kittle, phenomenal. Your defense, your offensive line's good. So you've got a good offensive line. You've got question marks across your entire wide receiver and quarterback core. And then your defense has, while it has good players, it has been slowly losing people. You bring in D Ford to back it up. Nick Bosa's been hurt, tore his ACL, so we don't know what shape he'll come back in. They've lost a lot of people. Um, Richard Sherman's needs to get some help. Richard Sherman no longer on that team. I don't really know. I don't know how this team could be ranked higher than the Seahawks even. 
No, I don't think with with the 49ers, I think we need to look at it with like a two or three year outlook. You remember how last season when we were previewing, you you made a great early call on the Miami Dolphins. You said, hey, they might not be a great team, but there's bones here. And I want to yeah. see if if the bones mature a little bit into something. That's kind of how I feel about the 49ers. I love Brandon Ayuk. I, I love Debo Samuel. I think between Mostert and Trey Sermon, they'll have enough in the run game. It might not be the elite run game, but they'll find a way to get some production out of the running game over there in San Fran. But I just think this this won't be the year. I think that this time next year, maybe in two years, we may be talking about them like, okay, they're ready to take that next step. Uh, but everyone on this offense, except for the offensive line, is pretty young. They got a young quarterback. Yeah. Uh, two very young receivers, very young running back room. Kittle's not old yet. Like uh, This isn't going to be their year, but I think that this will lay the foundation for the 2023 season where they may be very serious. This year, though, probably bottom of the division or at least competing with Arizona at the bottom, unless Trey Lance is Cam Newton and we just don't know. Yeah, two uh, things. San Francisco went 6-10 and 10 last year, so they're going to need something dramatic to turn that around. So that's all I have to say about them. Right. They're they're two years away from us being able to have a real conversation if Lance is good. So I just want to see them take those Miami Dolphins steps. Be competitive. Be feisty. Don't get blown out. Uh, sneak a couple wins in there that we didn't see coming. Like, that's what I'm looking for from San Fran this year. I'm not expecting to be sitting there in January saying, oh, Trey Lance, the greatest rookie of all time. That's not what I'm expecting at all. Yeah, and... I just think that them leading this division right now, by the end here, L.A. is going to become the overwhelming favorite as common sense kind of settles in. And people are like, oh, San Francisco's what basically needs rookies to overperform what we're expecting just to get just to be competitive. Like just to be competitive with the Rams, Trey Lance would have to be immediately as good as Matthew Stafford is now. Yeah. So, nah. How about Russell? He's got to be as good as Russell Wilson. Like not, that's not the problem happening. with me. Bingo. So that's that's what you're asking. You're asking the obviously worst quarterback in that division has to immediately bring that team up to speed or else they're going to have another lost year. So I think I ultimately think that, I have it ranked. Oh, my bad. I'll just give you a, no, a quick division ranking to try and, uh, and put some receipts out there so I can reference them here in like five months. I think I got Rams, Seahawks, Cardinals, 49ers in that order. Yep, that's where I've got it right now. I'll see how camp develops with Trey Lance a little bit, but that's where I have it right now. I like it. You ready for a life update? Yeah, I, last time we left you, you were uh, living on your own, abandoned by uh, your significant other, and you had started uh, you had started to revert back to living in college. I have good news. I have somehow in the last week found my maturity. I have found my (laughs) age. Maybe I finally realized that I'm a 30-year-old man that needs to be able to survive. Hey, man, (laughs) my my cooking skills, a little underrated. I'm not going to lie. My cooking skills are Chris Middleton right now. You know what I mean? Like A little inconsistent. I'm not giving you that fire every night. But I've had a couple great performances in the last couple of nights that are leaving me impressed with myself. Yeah, I made a little rice, beans, and chicken. A couple nights Oof. ago, I uh, made a, some steak tacos a couple nights before that. The food part of this is really going great, but it's not all great. 
the uh, the yeah, sleep portion of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I've reached it's... the point where now I'm fooling my body into thinking there's another body next to me by just holding yeah. the biggest pillow that's in the bed. You know, I just throw my yeah. arm over it and pretend that it's my girl. Uh, so yeah, the the sleep aspect. I've been going to bed at about three in the morning every single night since she's left. Uh, my my average bedtime while she's here is probably like. 12 15 <laughs> yeah yeah so i've been watching shit that i have no interest in out of boredom <laughs> I, i've yeah, been i've been yeah. making shit i've should i made yeah. a beat the other night <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> just real pretty all of a sudden you're a nocturnal animal and and for those of you just tuning in uh leo's wife did not leave him he, he, he oh god no 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 on a vacation <laughs> Took vacation yeah. without me, which is cool. You know, it seems like she's having a great time, and I'm happy for her. Uh, but yeah. but shit's going downhill in the sleep department for sure. It, the no, food yeah. trajectory is going up. I'm doing better about feeding myself. Yeah. The uh, the rest part though, going horribly, because I'm not waking up any earlier than I normally wake up. I'm just going no. to sleep way later. <laughs> now, I mean, you've got you know another week plus to get through it. I mean, at this point. You're going to be on a new rhythm. The first day she's going to be back, she's going to be like, I'm tired. You're going to be like, I I, I haven't been going to sleep. <laughs> I, I haven't slept I, in I, a month. <laughs> yeah, I haven't slept. I'm tired too, but now my body is used to it. So my bedtime, I'll have to figure it out. All right, I'll see you uh, at 3 a.m. Yeah. I know it's only 10 p.m., but it's going to yeah. be a while till I'm ready. Do they ready? Yeah, that's, that's really funny. Oh, well, 10 more days, survive through it. And here's the biggest problem. You got no sports to hide behind now. Oh, my God. This is the part that uh, I complained were, to her about. I said, look, while yeah. I still have the NBA finals, we're good. But as soon as the finals yeah. ends, shit's going to get scary out here. I don't even know what I'm going to do over the next week. Uh, maybe deep dive in the NFL, NBA draft. That's where I'll spend my energy. I'll, yep. I'll just go head first into the NBA draft, even though my team doesn't have a relevant pick, which makes it a little uninteresting. I got to do something here. I got to do something because the boredom the is Olympics really what's are getting crazy. Up. Olympics, you can you can bear you can just keep that on in the background. The Olympics are like the news. You can just put it on the TV and you're like, oh, there's something. Oh, that's nice. And, you know, and you can you can get into it a couple times. I will Throw say a this. money on it. Right, the Olympics are the one time of every four years where you could watch like fencing and it's still a little interesting. You know, you're watching yes. people stab each other with the little <laughs> with the rounded sword, and you're like, oh, well, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd cheer for Bosnia. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, you know, uh, Roger Sherman on The Ringer is doing a podcast to walk you through all the, like, anyone who's interested walks people through the Olympic Games, basically. Uh, the whole premise is you have no idea what you're watching. Listen to the pod. He'll tell you what it's about. So if you are looking to get into something for a day, you can probably tune on that pod and figure out what's going to be happening and then get a little insight and get some background, maybe maybe get into one of the teams. I'm going to have to do that, man, because for the next 10 days, I'm grasping at straws. I was actually really yeah. excited to go to the beach by myself today and uh, then realized that Red Tide is whooping Florida's ass right now. Apparently yes. there are just tons of fish swim or washing up on shore. Uh, that's a vibe killer. Wasn't really trying to mess with that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. so now I'm yeah. just kind of grasping at straws. Uh, well, good luck on that, man. And, you know, 10 more days, survive through it. You know, don't don't get too feral. You know, you got to you got to hang in there. I'm glad you, you weaned yourself off the 
delivery and having having things brought in because that's a tough thing to get over sometimes you're just like oh now the doordash people know me by name like this has gotten fucking bad but i'm glad you pulled out of that tailspin and started cooking yeah man i'm back to i'm back to life really it was getting a little questionable i told you you might have to check on me the last episode (laughs) but i can say safely i've made it out the woods uh i will be okay for the next 10 days all right well, that's some life advice, and, and, and we'll keep it coming with more NFL news. Um, we're pretty much all NFL here, going to be running all the way down. I'm excited for it. We're going to go up into the AFC next week. Probably kick things off with the AFC. Let's do the West. Let's stay in the West and work ourselves across the country. Justin Herbert right. season. I'll be ready for it. Oh, yeah, he's right now 22-1 to 1 to win the MVP. I'm not really a fan of that. But, you know, do you? I just think 22-1 to 1 is just low. But, but we'll get into that next week. That's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Pick and Play Show. For my man Gordo, I am Leo. Uh, you can find him at Pick and Play 37. You can find me at Pick and Scroll. As always, make sure you share it with your best friend. Share it with your girl. Share it with your mama. I don't care who you share it with. Just make sure that you tell a friend to tell a friend. Until next week, take it easy.